We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast and it is Alex Hurst, Chris Shipman and Michael Carlin and we're going to talk about the impossible, well, not anymore, it would seem the potential takeover of Newcastle United by God knows who really, but the, the key players seem to be Amanda Stavely, the Rubin brothers and uh, a company called PIF uh, based in Saudi Arabia and... I think the three of us are, are going to try and, and talk through what has happened, what we think will happen, uh, and some positives, negatives, if there are any negatives, things like that, um, on what has been a, a, a beautiful distraction from the realities of lockdown life uh, this past 24 hours. So, Chris, first of all, I'll come to you. Um, initial thoughts on all of this. Where, where's your head at, mate? Uh, well, it's nice to have something to think about other than coronavirus, to be honest. But uh, yeah, generally, um, I mean, I can't quite believe it, to be honest. Uh, we've been here before, but it does seem like finally it's all becoming very real. Um, so I'm very happy that we will be rid of Mike Ashley after, you know, what what is it, 13 years now of trying uh, for pretty much all that time to get rid of him and hoping that he would leave. Um, but also, you know, a little bit conflicted uh, as well, and I'm sure we'll get to that The the new ownership do have a little bit of baggage and there are some kind of, you know, quite justifiable concerns about that. But it's, you know, ushering in a new era is exciting in itself. So, yeah, all change. Same question to you, Mickey. Uh, I'm absolutely buzzing. Um, I have to say that, you know, the, the stuff we're going to come out to later on is, is an afterthought for me and I'm just over the moon. And it, it's kind of coming in waves for us of, being just absolutely delighted that Ashley's not going to be running the club anymore, just purely like because of him. Like I don't, I don't want him to be there as a person because he's he's so horrendous. And then the, you know, and then you get the second wave of like the people that are coming in are supposedly going to turn everything around and make us move forward quickly with with potentially huge investment and putting in proper football practices and and, and bringing in proper football players and have a proper training ground and all. All of this stuff that looks like it could happen, that should have happened, you know, starting 13 years ago. Everything, everything about Newcastle United is going to be different from whenever this thing is confirmed forever. Like, it's it's an absolutely transformative moment in our lives. And, you know, for for all of you listening and, and all of the guys that, that contribute to True Faith, like, Newcastle United is, 
if not the biggest, one of the biggest parts of our lives. And, and it's going to be so wildly different in such a positive way. Like, it, it's almost beyond belief that it could happen to us. Like, it's always, with any of these really positive things that happen in football, it's never Newcastle. Like, it's never us. It's always everyone else. But this time, it's us. And, you know, we're going to get people from around the country hate because of it, because everyone's going to be jealous, the same as everyone was when it was Man City, that all of a sudden they went from nothing to to having so much money they were the best team in the country like that that could be us seriously and like it's unbelievable now you have to caveat that with that we've done this in the most Newcastle fashion possible and like it the the like the patter around it and the parties around it and everything is all going to be the worst it could possibly be because we kind of got out we kind of see we're mates we kind of got the pub we kind of got the match for however like however long this lasts and there was something in the news today that could be up to 18 months at the we can't go to stadiums en masse. Like, only Newcastle could have the best thing in football happen to them and not be able to enjoy it properly for ages. But it's still happening, and I'm, and I'm, I'm delighted. Yeah, if that was the case, mate, I'd back, like, one like one stand per game per person. <laughs> yeah. Like, everyone gets one. Like, like, I'll take the Gallagher for our game, you take the East stands, and whoever the players run over to when the score is the better fan. <laughs> The Premier League don't instigate that. I don't know what's wrong with them. Well, but you'd have to spend yeah, you'd m- have to spend all of your time trying to get out that massive surfer on your own. So, <laughs> oh well, I could contact uh, contact Wolf Flags to do the same. Um, interestingly enough, Mickey, you've covered a lot there that we're going to get I know, into sorry, later. I, I knew I was I think doing it as well. It's, I was too excited. It's all right. It's it's just the excitement, isn't it? But what I'm taking from this is well, first of all. And it's, again, it's only social media, but for once, I think it's reflective of, of the mood of, of all Newcastle fans at the minute, if not the vast majority, is just, just that feeling of possibility is back, that feeling of like anything is possible. So, Mickey, you've straight away gone there with huge capital investment to buying better footballers. Not that there are many better footballers at the minute than likes of St. Maximan, but you know, there's, there's, there's all this possibility for Newcastle United to become really good on and off the pitch. And... That's the beauty of, of day one. I, I'll keep using the word if, but it does seem like when this takeover happens, the beauty of day one is anything is possible. You know, you can project everything that you think is positive about Newcastle United onto these new owners and just assume that they're going to do it. That might not be the case, but I'm not going to ruin the party yet. To me, we're going to have safe standing. There's going to be flags on all four part stands of the ground. There's going to be a class team. They're going to ex- buy Strawberry Place back. They're going to extend their Gallagher. They're going to have a fan park. They're going to speak to the supporters' trust. They're going to come on the True Faith podcast. <laughs> likely, likely thing is, not all of those things are, are going to happen, or, or certainly not straight away. And I think, I think expectations, particular expectations about how they run the club, or maybe for another time, what we can talk about bigger pic- picture issues and. One of the, like I was saying before, one of the the best things about this is not just the the feeling of elation and relief that it looks like Mike Ashley and the people he employs have, have gone, but but the sense that like anything is possible, and that hasn't been the case for twelve years. And we, uh, me and Norman, did a podcast which we haven't released yet um, on the best team of the noughties, which is following on from Norman and Chris's excellent podcast, which went out a couple of days ago for the best team of the last decade. And what, what I talked about is, even when Newcastle were bad under, like, Souness and a bit under Glen Roder, there was always next season. There was always next season. Um, there was always players coming in. You never felt hopeless like you did now. That I guarantee you, if this takeover doesn't go through, 
and Mike Ashley's still in charge, even if Steve Bruce does, does really well if and when the season resumes and gets to an 11th place finish. We all know Newcastle United aren't going to do anything next season. Not anything at the right end of the league. Uh, that's what I'm most hopeful for, that those days are over. And, and it's a different Premier League to the noughties that I'm talking about. But it's also the same that it's a load of people running a football club with a load of football fans watching a football team, watching some football players and trying to beat the other team. And that sense of, of hope seems to be back amongst a lot of people. And, and that's something that I, I really, really, really hope that the new owners, whoever they are, and and when they come in, they, they, they grasp that because it's that kind of momentum which, yes, it doesn't replace the injection of hundreds of millions of pounds, which the club might also get if you believe reports, but it's the kind of thing which took a club from the bottom of the second division uh, in 1991 to third in the Premier League within 18 months uh, and, and challenging for titles uh, within another 18 months. So th- that's, the, that's the big thing for me at the minute, is just the, the sheer hope and positivity of the fan base. You know, I put a tweet out yesterday saying one of the best things about this is we can stop kicking off at each other. I know football fans always find reasons to argue, um, but you know we have been a fractured fan base, people who go, people who don't go, people who don't buy pies to people who do, people who would go. All of that, you'd hope, you'd hope that those days are behind us uh, and we'll once again become united. And and everything before Ashley wasn't a bed of roses. It wasn't like, like Ashley bought the, the perfect football club and ruined it. But God, get me back to like, Glenn Roder's last home game 2-0 defeat to Blackburn <laughs> to, to now um, in terms of possibilities for this football club Chris we we haven't you know we haven't seen loads of, well, we haven't seen any concrete information besides a document and I'm not going to go into too much but besides a document which proves that a price has been agreed and that a deposit has been paid towards Newcastle United in, in your mind and like, is it done for you? Are you still, if, but maybe, you never know, Ashley, the coronavirus, are you like, no, this is done? I think we've all been burnt by this before, so I think it would have to take someone of uh, Mickey Carling's optimism to think it was done. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're pretty close. It does seem like, you know, that that kind of hard evidence of paperwork being submitted, the Premier League being informed, uh, just the amount of, discussion and information out there i know that in previous kind of uh you know rumors that the financial times and these kind of publications have picked up on it and given it quite a lot of credence but you know this time it does seem uh pretty close i mean there is still the fit and proper persons test to go through uh you know whatever you think of that is another hurdle um you know owners that are you know as problematic as as the saudis have kind of have gotten through that previously but you know it's still something that needs doing but um yeah i think we're kind of we're pretty close uh i mean i hate to think what would what the mood of the fan base would be like as you say if it didn't go through um but yeah pretty close mickey same question i've been named after already and chris you're absolutely right uh someone of my optimism (laughs) would would say that it's done and i i believe that it is i think the, 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 you know there are a couple of things that still need to be sorted by the looks of it you know I'm speculating here of course but they just seem like the hurdles that will that will be sailed through so you're looking at the, the fit and proper persons test which has been a force over the years anyway like it would take a really really strong move from the Premier League to deny effectively the Saudi state the access to a Premier League club it would be such a huge like political incident 
I just don't think they would risk it. Caveat that with the Premier League's absolute hunger for money, and especially at the minute, hunger for cash, I, I think they would be mad to, to refuse it. And I just, I just don't think it's even... I don't even think it will have crossed their mind. Like the, the guys that are in charge of this at the, at the Premier, League, Premier League, they'll be having their meetings and stuff, but they'll be like, when they go for coffees and that, or virtual coffees in, in this day and age, they'll be like, aye, it's fine. Like it's, <laughs> it's definitely fine. Um, so I, I, I'm convinced that this, this is it now. I think the other the other thing that I would just say on the deal is, um, you know, the fee. It sounds like it's been knocked down a little bit. the The latest fee that we've heard kind of bandied about today is just shy of three hundred million. Obviously, that is a lot of money. That's a huge amount of money. But actually, in terms of it being a good deal, you know, I think they've got a pretty decent. You know, it's it's a steal potentially in terms of potential. The other clubs that they were rumored. Uh, to be interested in like you know Man United being touted for 4 billion or something stupid you know Newcastle United for 300 million a lot of money but you know the potential is huge yeah I mean it's interesting Chris that you've and, and you as well Mickey you've both very much gone into the Saudi Arabia royal family factor here when this it hasn't they haven't in these documents which has got everyone so excited they aren't mentioned now, there is a huge amount of, of media speculation and, and all sorts of coming from media outlets, not just in the UK, but in, in France and Saudi Arabia as well, saying that this is a, a Saudi Arabia investment. I don't know who is, who is going to run the football club, who is going to be the MD, who is going to be in charge. Um, I, just, I just don't know. And I think we we'll, we'll, might talk about some of the legalities, or not the legalities, but the, the moral things later. Um, in terms of you know what Chris was alluding to, in terms of stuff being problem- problematic, but in terms of you know what we want to see happen at the football club, what what would be the right at the top of your list, Chris? What are you thinking? Right, they've got the keys to Newcastle United. Not so much day one because I don't think they can get in right now, but day sixty or whatever. Hopefully, when this is over, um, in terms of the lockdown, like what do you think is are the absolute essentials that they have to do both for the good of the football club in the short term but also to win fans over yeah I mean it is a kind of long list of things that they can and probably should do but I think the thing that they have got to do and actually is relative very easy in the circumstances is to re-engage with the fans they're totally kicking an open door with it Um, you know there's so much goodwill you know as you say you know there are things that are kind of maybe less savoury but generally the feeling that almost anyone but Mike Ashley from the fan base. I think that is a real kind of opportunity for them to develop some meaningful communication, you know, either via the trust that you mentioned earlier um, or, you know, via local national media, fan media, such as ourselves. Other podcasts are available, of course. Um, So I think that would be kind of number one. Uh, It would be relatively easy to do. I'm sure they've had, well, I know from reports that they have, had that kind of that thinking previously. George uh, Culkin has said previously that you know that's something they were looking at in earlier um, bids. And then I think the other kind of really easy win uh, that they could do would be to re-engage with with the stars from the past who've been driven away. Uh, Kevin Keegan and Alan Shearer, two really obvious examples, but more recently Rafael Benitez, a figure that is held in such esteem by the fan base, and you know you've already got uh, people you know touting that he'd be coming back. You know that would be fantastic. Whether that's kind of reality or not, I'm not necessarily sure. So I think those are kind of two 
um, you know, people focused and relationship focused things that they could do. Uh, and then you've got the kind of maybe longer term investment where you're kind of looking at kind of actual cash injections into the club, the training ground, you know, getting rid of that paddling pool, maybe getting a slightly larger paddling pool might be a good uh, investment there uh, or possibly more. Uh, and then investing in the stadium, you know, we've all talked about uh, the state that the ground is in and, you know, what has happened around it in terms of uh, Strawberry Place and so on and so forth. Um, you know, they are slightly boxed in in some of those regards, but there is definitely some investment that is needed in the ground. When was the last time it was meaningfully invested in? The late 90s, I think. So, you know, it's it's overdue. Um, so, yeah, just a few things there, uh, just, to, just to start with in the inbox. Would you go, lo- go along with much of that, Mickey? Anything you'd change? Yeah, um, yeah, a lot, a, lot, a lot of that I would agree with. Um, two, two really easy PR wins at the start. Um, unfurl other staff straight away, day one, and... Uh, refund people's season ticket money until we know what's going to happen, and I think those those two things would be would be really easy and relatively cheap things for them to do in the in the grand scheme of things. Um, I doubt these guys are going to want to come in, whoever it is, and be the only people that aren't paying their staff properly in this crisis. So I think that one will happen. The season ticket one, obviously, there's a lot of logistics around that, and without being able to have people come to work, whether that's realistic or not is another question, but you know, it's something that they could at least look at. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure about bringing in all the old, the old names straight away. I think that would be rash uh, as a kind of starting point. But then you look across the continent and look at clubs like Ajax, who's, you know, their, their coaching staff is made up of like Ajax heroes in every department, especially at a junior level. I find, I, I think that's brilliant. And I, I've always said it would be it would be great at Newcastle if the kids were coming through and they were getting, you know, I'm stretching it here, but if they were getting taught how to shoot by Alan Shearer, or you know, taught how to skin people by Ben Arthur in five years' time when he retires, like that kind of thing matters, and it happens really well on the continent. I, I highlight Ajax because they're the best at it, and they've got like virtually everyone class has played for Ajax over the years now, coaches of Ajax, but things like that and 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 making the club a community club again where it kind of operates within itself and within the city well would 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 be my starting point and 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 kind of build up from there and I'd love to think that you're right that we could expand the ground and the training ground would be improved and all that stuff down the line but you know baby steps at the start would be would be hugely appreciated by everyone yeah no I, I think you're right there that the easy wins will be uh, interesting to see whether they get you know get you know get on top of that straight away and and work out that actually like something like unfurling the staff is going to make anyone who well not anyone but people who might be fairly skeptical or, or might have a wait and see attitude well actually this is something that the previous or the incumbent regime couldn't do now Bournemouth have reversed their decision and Tottenham and Liverpool as well I think Newcastle are the only club to feel the need to to ask Her Majesty's government to pay part of the wages for their their staff uh, who aren't players. But for for me, and I I, I find it very hard to disagree with um, anything you've you've both just said there. No, Chris, you've you, you've touched on that manager subject that I wasn't going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we know where you stand on that one. Uh, we might save that that debate a little bit more in depth, you know, for a later podcast um, if and when the takeover does go through. Stop saying if, man. Yeah. <laughs> But for me, one of the most important, there are lots, there are, there are loads of little and big things that new ownership could and should do. 
some of them they'll do, some of them they might not. They might do things that we haven't thought about in terms of positives. The the, the important thing for me is that, and it, and it sounds really boring, but transparency is crucial. Um, we need to know who owns the club, why they own it, and what the, what the plan is and what the plan is going to be moving forward. So if I look at a club, just even forgetting the teams at the top who want to make as much money as possible and be as good as they possibly can and win all the trophies, those you understand those clubs. But even clubs at the bottom like Bournemouth who play in a tiny stadium, which they don't always sell out, every year they survive in the Premier League um, is another year where they will they can grow as a club so they're talking about a new stadium. They're talk- they, they, they've built a, a brilliant training ground already that's far better than Newcastle's. So every, them being in the league creates positives for their football club that will last generations. You know, for Newcastle United now, I don't, I don't know what the point is. Beyond existing and beyond competing and like take every match as it comes and beyond trying to stay up, you know, the, the, the purpose of the club over the past 13 years has been has been difficult to put your finger on. And that's that's one of the reasons why many fans have, have walked away from it. That it. It's lacked identity, it's lacked direction. And yeah, if these lads come in um, and want to, I don't know, pump £200 million into the first team, great, because then we'll know pretty quickly what the direction's got to be. But th- there's been talks in the media of regenerations of parts of Tyneside, which might be true. It might just be because that's what happens with the owners of Manchester City and what they've done in parts of Greater Manchester. But I'd, I just really want them to be a purpose and a direction in Newcastle United, something which um, you can get behind and think, all right, well, we're lost today, but it doesn't matter because because you know where the club wants to be. And it's, you know, early in the Ashley era, there was there was talk of five-year plans and it was all bollocks. Absolute bollocks! You don't need me to tell you that. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not after cliched PDFs or sound bites. But Mickey, I think you've hit hit the nail on the head there in respect that they need to get football people in at Newcastle United. They need key people in positions of authority across the football club who have experience at the highest level in football. So you, you want someone who's worked at a football club. It doesn't have to be in the UK, but around the world in a high capacity with with a series of networks and contacts. You had that with Rafa Benitez at Newcastle. You didn't just get his world-class coaching ability. Uh, you didn't just get his ability to connect with the fan base. But you, you, got his, you got his network of contacts around Europe for getting players in, for sniffing out uh, contracts, uh, contracts running out like Fabian Scher or, or release clauses. You got um, the best scouts. You got best coaching talent. You got... You know, you have, you have coaches all the time coming from other major European clubs to see how Rafa Benitez took a training session. So that was for three beautiful years, or three and a bit beautiful years, we had someone at the football club, the best they could possibly get. And I, and I think that, that you kind of saw the rewards of that. Now, a, yes, I probably agree that the manager's position needs to, to reflect that. But, you know, you, you want the whole football side of things and even in administrative side of things to reflect quality people with experience in the world of football. A lot of Newcastle United seems to be promotion from within that if you're there and you work for Ashley, you've got a good chance of progressing. That might that might be unfair, but I don't know. I'm, I'm from the outside looking in. When is the last time Newcastle United made, made an appointment uh, away from the playing staff that raised that raised any any kind of newsworthiness or, or was a news story because we poached someone from another football club to do what they're doing really well there for us. I can't think of it. In fact, 
So that's really important to me. The, the, the whole ethos of the football club needs to be football orientated. But there's, there's lots to go at. I mean, lads, we may as well talk about first team and first team investment. And, and it does feel a bit surreal talking about this. But would you rather see money go... Just say there's a pot of money there. Would you rather see it spread across infrastructure? Mickey, you mentioned the training ground. Um, or Chris, do you think that it, it's right? Okay, you've you know new owners have arrived. They have to make a statement. We've got a reasonable first team at the minute, but they're not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, not the majority of them anyway. Do they need to, to sort out Newcastle United and get them away from being relegation strugglers and then worry about making the rest of the club a genuine Premier League force? Or do you think it's a bit of a balance? What would you like to see happen, Chris? I mean, I think for me, it's a bit of a balance. I think investment in the playing squad to a degree uh, is obviously needed. You know, there's there's a good kind of core there and a lot of the players that Rafa Benitez, um, you know, fantastic coach that we, we miss a lot, uh, brought in. A lot of them are still there. Um, but I think, you know, you mentioned the training ground. For me, of the kind of more meaningful uh, investments, kind of slightly longer term projects, that is the one that I would probably prioritise for the simple reason that when they're touting around to spend that huge amount of cash that they've got, you know, they won't be able to spend a huge, huge amount. There is still financial fair play. So there is a degree of having to compete. Well, there is a degree of having to compete with other clubs and the training ground and the infrastructure and the commitment that the club makes to new signings is a really key part of that. And, you know, just think if you were a player that was uh, over any time over the last few years that had turned up at Newcastle, even under Rafa Benitez and was, you know, shown rounds and this is what we've got in store for you and this is what we can offer you you go to that training ground and you see that paddling pool you know it, even if you're having a lot of money thrown at you in terms of wages um and even if you want to play under a, a manager like Rafa you know that's a kind of that's a that's a con on your kind of pros and cons list so yeah I do think it needs spreading around but there are certain things of the more meaningful projects that that need to be prioritized and the training ground will be the one for me Yep, interesting. Mickey, same question. If I answer this question with my head, I would I would agree with Chris, but I just want us to get some good players. Like I I think it would be such a huge statement if we bought if we bought a a centre half, a centre mid and a centre forward in one window. Like real, like you know, the kind of the kind of players that that other decent teams are trying to get. If we got those three, and then moved on from there, I think that would be it. It would make such a big statement, and it kind of elevates us back back to the level we're at pre Ashley of being a big club and a bit of a force. And the other stuff can slot in, like you know, over over the coming years. And you know, you say if. Yeah, yeah, totally right, Chris. And you say you, you bring these guys in. Who are, you know, I'm not going to put any names on anything because it's ridiculous to speculate at this point. But bring some, bring a high quality footballer at Newcastle. Try and get them to sign a contract and show them on the training ground. At the minute, they're going to like if they're coming from somewhere like any decent standard top top level club around the world. Coming from any of those, they're going to be like you fucking kidding with, with a paddling pool. Like obviously, they're going to they're going to think it's a farce. But if you just say to them like this is a project and we're going to build on this over the next 12 months and the training ground will be better this time next year. There might be like sound. I don't, I don't disagree, Mickey. I think what I'm kind of, what I'm saying is this, uh, this 
and yeah, it is tongue in cheek. This banding around of, of names like Mbappe on on Twitter, I don't think that's realistic. I think you can definitely get some kind of some top talent, and I do think they need to invest in that. But I think the notion of having a, a team of like Galacticos overnight is is fanciful, and we just can't do that. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree that the, the playing squad needs investment and some you know some star player additions uh, are key. Yeah, I, I think you know it, it. It all depends on on what happens with the league because who knows when next season's going to start, and are they going to relax financial fair play? Because I believe at the minute you can only increase your wage bill by ten percent annually, and uh, Newcastle's wage bill being one of the lowest in the league, that doesn't give you much room <laughs> to sign really quality players who want maybe one hundred and fifty grand a week. Um, you've also, you know, I mean, this is really getting ahead of ourselves, but. You've seen at other clubs before the issues of, you know, if, if you go and sign three or four players on double the top earner, you, you very quickly have a, a situation where, you know, there's a huge paucity between between what different players earn and you need a really strong manager to, to manage that. Um, again, I'm creating problems here that don't yet exist and it would be good problems to have. I'd rather have a load of class lads on 200 grand a week <laughs> and like John Joe on only 80. You know, he'd, he'd just have to work that one out himself, wouldn't he, John Joe? Uh, Battlers demons for that. But, like, yeah, the, the, the financial fair play will be interesting. And, and I, d- I hate doing this as well. I'm going to stick up for the club, like, a little bit. The training facilities, which I've visited uh, several times, um, are, you know, not good enough compared to not just other Premier League clubs, but, like, League One clubs as well, some of them. Uh, one notable, uh, I don't know if they formed this club just to make a TV series, but... Sunderland, um, they have better. Sunderland has better training facilities and a better academy than Newcastle, comfortably. And that's not right. Um, I think the paddling pool thing was a one-off, and someone got a photo of it. I don't think they have a paddling pool. I think it was whenever they want the cl- uh, players to do any kind of water fitness or um, recovery stuff, they, they go to a separate facility, which in itself is ridiculous. But I don't think like a player would get sh- shown around the training ground. And then Steve Bruce be like, "Where's Jamal? Oh, he's in that. He's in the paddling pool Alex, having a fab." Alex, I think you're let, letting facts get in the way of a lovely farcical image here. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Jamal, Jamal, Jamal with a with a fab, and um, I don't know Kieran Clark with a cornetto in the paddling pool, um, putting on all the calories that the session had taken off. <laughs> That's what I think of now. But I totally agree with you, Chris. That the tra- the training ground's important. I think. I think the ground is important as well. I think getting back Strawberry Place and that land is crucial. I'm kind of I don't have any inside information, of course, but I'm I'm really hopeful that that's part of the deal. Um, there would be no development on the land yet, or very limited development on the land. Um, that land could be used to extend the Gallagher. Um, and even if you sat there at home thinking, "No, we don't need to extend the Gallagher. It's make the ground lopsided or whatever." Fine, build some buildings. Or use that space for the good of Newcastle United. Um, have a fan, have a genuine, decent fan zone. Not like a shit one, like a couple of clubs in the Premier League you've got, but like a really good one that has cover in the winter. Get a get a club hotel, get a museum. Um, do all these things that that could benefit Newcastle United. And the ground itself is a is a fantastic ground, but it could re- the facilities could really do with an upgrade. And yeah, who knows when we're going to be back there, but. Next time I go there, if they've got the time, I would love to see you know vast improvements on 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 what we kind of endure sometimes compared to the new grounds in the Premier League. Like when I, it's in Spurs' ground, the 
pints serve them, you know, they pour themselves through the bottom of the glass. I want that kind of witchcraft in my ground. Witchcraft? Uh, not that I would buy a pint, <laughs> yeah. Because, not that I would buy a pint in the ground because all the beers they serve are shit, but, you know, I'm just, you know, just, just, just upgrade the facilities and upgrade the stadium and give it a, give it a bit of pride back. I know that the club this year have painted the outside of the, the southwest corner and it, and it did look better and little things matter like that. Easy wins, like you, you said at the start of the call. You know what it Mickey, is, though, mate, on that um, point, I, I rode past there when we bite last night. I rode past the James just to see what the city was like. And that new bit where they've got the, um, like the image around that corner. They've obviously put it on in panels and the and then they've got like a perspex protector in front of it. The panels of the actual picture behind have started to separate. There's like big gaps where you can see through to the like the back and uh, well, I don't know whether it's concrete or what, but like they've they've even skimped on that to the point that it's it, like virtually fallen apart already. Are you suggesting that Newcastle United are cutting corners and cutting costs? I mean uh, alleg- Outrageous. allegedly. <laughs> doesn't doesn't sound like essential travel that Mickey you uh, inspecting St James's Park for floors <laughs> exercise <laughs> on a night <laughs> um, yeah I th- you know Chris uh, to change the subject uh, briefly obviously the the coronavirus and the lockdown of of you know affecting everyone's lives probably everywhere in the world where this is being listened to um it looks likely that we won't be back at St James's Park in a while. There might be football played behind closed doors in the summer, but I don't know, and I don't want to speculate on anything like that. Um, do you think this is a an advantage for new owners that they've got time to come in? They aren't in the middle of a Premier League season where it's result, it's game after game, it's result after result, it's speculation. It gives them a bit of time potentially to breathe. Or do you think the fact that they can't get all the staff together, who they're going to keep? They can't get a, to meet the players, meet the manager and all that kind of thing. Do you think it provides more challenges than there are benefits? What's your take on the timing? I think obviously, you know, in an ideal world, uh, you'd want to be able to meet your playing staff, meet your coaching staff and the manager. You know, that's that's really obvious. But, you know, this does provide a little bit of time to to bed in a little bit. Um, and, you know, we're not in a, in a transfer window and we don't know what the situation around transfer windows are going to be anyway. So it's not like there would be immediately, at least, even if the season were going ahead, the opportunity to kind of, you know, make that statement signing that we've talked about a minute ago. Um, I think if we cast our minds back to what happened at Rangers a few years ago with Mike Ashley and when that all uh, ended uh, and, you know, they got their club back, um, new ownership and you know the fans kind of looking at things after you know when the dust was settling and after he'd left you know it sounds like the state that the club was left in was um you know pretty shoddy and the actual mess under the bonnet that they inherited even though they'd gone through the situation of you know you do all your due diligence you look at the accounts etc but the way in which the club was left allegedly apparently um, you know, there there was a lot there that was unexpected. So even you know, best case scenario, there's going to be some some work that needs to happen in terms of you know working out and, and pulling at little loose ends and working out what's uh, what the mess is is there. Um, you know, they will potentially be able to tweak some internal structure uh, and, and focuses. And you mentioned unfollowing staff uh, and, you know, and looking at that kind of thing. So there will be little things that they can do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we need to get into a situation where this lockdown is, is resolved before they can, uh, you know, do the more meaningful stuff. You have to assume, you know, supposedly these guys have been planning this bid for, 
for months, if not years, you have to assume that they haven't just been talking about the bid and, act, and that they've had some pretty serious conversations about what's going to happen, you know, mm. on day one, on day 10, on day 20, on day 50. So I think, I think the opportunity has presented itself because of this coronavirus to kind of bring it all together right now and do it. And, and, and they've found Ashley in a slightly weaker position than usual, or maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe it's had no impact at all. But I think it, this is this is a really unusual time to have to take over something like Newcastle United at a time like an unprecedented time where things are so different to any other time in the history of football and in, in the world, you know. So I, I I don't know whether this is a good time or a bad time, and and I suspect they probably don't know whether this is a good time or a bad time. But we'll we'll, we'll find out, won't we? We will, hopefully. Yeah, and, and you know they're saying maybe the next two weeks or the the start of May this could be announced formally. I think we'll do a a broader podcast with a few more of the, the True Faith team on then, um, counting down to that day. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose I agree with with you both. Um, you'd hope that they had a lot of plans in place already. That you'd hope that through their due diligence, they know a lot about the football club, its processes, its staff, its procedures. Uh, and they can get to work straight away. I tend to think this little bit of time uh, and this little bit of breathing space they might have will be really positive. There won't be the clamour to do press conferences. There won't be the clamour to to meet agents and and all that kind of stuff and and and, and deal with any fallouts from you know from from staff leaving or or having to you know replace key staff at the club. So from a logistical perspective, a little bit of time. If you know if it was me and I was buying a business, then then that's always helpful, uh, and I hope they can take advantage of that. Um, on, on the same hand, I, I wish the lockdown was over tomorrow and, and we all had a vaccine, and <laughs> this nightmare could be behind the vast majority of the world. Um, and, I mean, it was, uh, what, what day want a day? Wednesday. Yeah, we were supposed to have played West Ham last Friday in like an 8 o'clock kickoff on Good Friday. Don't know if we'll ever get that back when we're all supposed to be off work. Uh, certainly not until next Good Friday, anyway. But that's that was a real sore one to miss. Um, I think we'll finish off uh, just on the a subject of which I've got a bit to say about. But Chris, I know you do as well, um, and that's that's the 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 school of thought that uh, the alleged involvement of of the Saudi Arabian royal family uh, and the rulers of Saudi Arabia in this uh, takeover. Uh, is tainted because of events uh, in the Middle East evolving, involving Saudi Arabia. What's, could you just give listeners, and I'm going to assume a lot of people are up to speed, but, but why don't, just in case anyone hasn't really seen this argument before, I heard this stuff, what are the issues that a lot of, a lot of people in the media and, and, and human rights campaigners have with Saudi Arabia, Chris, and then your thoughts after that? Sure. So uh, Saudi Arabia, as uh, in terms of regimes, is one of the most illiberal uh, regimes in the world. Uh, you know, not for nothing have human rights groups like Amnesty labelled this whole purchase and other interests that uh, they have as a state as you know, sports washing. Um, you know, if you look at just the last few years, what the Saudi Arabian regime has, uh, in air quotes, accomplished on the, the international stage, um, they have repressed journalists. Uh, they had a, a journalist hacked apart in the Turkish embassy a few years ago, uh, and that has been kind of swept under the carpet. It's not something that's been, uh, you know, dealt with properly, although, although there's been kind of surface level, um, 
you know, sanctions and, and jailings and etc. But, you know, that hasn't actually been dealt with. Um, they've waged a bombing, bombing campaign uh, in, in the Yemen against civilian targets and uh, reports of bombing refugee camps, etc, uh, etc. Et um, you know, I, I think from my own point of view, I think it's really important to place on record, uh, you know, if just to spare myself getting hammered on Twitter, um, that this is not a case of me wanting Mike Ashley to stay. Um, I want Mike Ashley gone as much, if not more, uh, than than many people. Um, I just think that, you know, there's a lot of benefits to uh, this deal and this sale, uh, and the people coming in are you know, very clearly uh, very wealthy and very well resourced. I just think we need to go into this with our eyes open. You know, the amount of money that they have and the resource they have, they've not uh, they've not managed to cobble together by being nice people necessarily. Um, so I just think it's a case of awareness and my own point of view is that I, I feel conflicted. You know, I love this club. Uh, it means, as you said, at the top of the podcast, you know, more to me than just about anything. And I think that's probably the same for you and pretty much all of the listeners. Um, you know, I don't want this thing that I love to be sullied by, um, you know, some pretty conflicted relationships. Uh, and I just worry that, you know, that sports washing uh, you know, situation is 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 a fact. Um, if we look at other sports clubs in the last few years, um, I was thinking about this ahead of the podcast. And Atletico Madrid a few years ago uh, had Azerbaijan emblazoned on their shirts. Exactly the same sports washing situation. Uh, a regime with terrible, uh, you know, human rights uh, violations there. Um, so yeah, I I feel conflicted. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't want this sale to go through. It just feel means that it's it's complicated, I guess. <laughs> Mickey, you don't care, do you? You just want all the class footballers playing for Newcastle. <laughs> it's not no, it's not as simple as that. What the, kind of where I'm at with it all at the minute is I'm just I'm just allowing myself to enjoy the speculation and the the dreaming and the possibility that we're going to support a, a good, well-run and competitive football club in the in the short term. Um, and everything else that's going to go along with it, I'm just going to deal with then, like or or, or further down the line. And, and that, you know, th- in some people's eyes, that might make me a terrible person, and it goes against a lot of the things that I stand for. But we, we, you know, in terms of supporting Newcastle United for a long time, we haven't had anything really positive to shout about. And in all of our lives at the moment, everything's pretty shit. You know, everyone's stuck in the house. Nobody can see their friends. Nobody can see their family. Most people can't go into the office. You know, there's absolutely nothing to do. We're spending the vast majority of our time watching stuff on Netflix and not not getting out of the house. Being able to enjoy the prospect of Newcastle United and and to speculate beyond all belief about who we're going to buy and what we're going to do and what our team's going to look like in in two years' time and whether we're going to win the Champions League and, and all of this stuff is allowing a, a massive distraction to a, to a terrible time in all of our lives. And I'm not going to lose it by stressing too much over what, what the Saudi government have, have done. I, personally, I feel like I'll, I'll, I'll have to kind of deal with that and reconcile that with my, in myself at some point quite soon. But at the minute, I'm going to leave it. And that's, that's sort of where I am. Fair enough, and I think I, I don't know whether people listening agree, disagree. I've had a few comments on Twitter when I've said positive things about the takeover saying, so you're just ignoring X, Y, or Z, and 
yeah, like, you know, Chris, I totally hear what you're saying. Like, you know, it's, and, and Mickey as well, that's a compromise. But I, I feel strongly that it's been a busy day to day, right? For, for both myself, uh, from a true faith perspective and a supporters' trust perspective. Had every newspaper, every radio station want a comment. Um, and it, like, you won't hear me. I've done none of them. I like to, you know, it's not for me to, to, to try and represent people. And we've had we've had one of the lads at the trust speaking small, and we've we've tried to play it with a very straight bat and say, listen, well, first of all, Mike Ashley is still the owner of the football club. Um, I will. I'm primarily going to judge anyone who owns the football club on their treatment of the football club. That's how they deserve to be judged, in my opinion. Um, we don't actually know where the money's coming from or who it's who's involved. We don't know what level of input people from Saudi Arabia um, in terms of that government have on the football club. Is it complete? Is it a bit? Is it nothing? Is it going to be left to Amanda Staveley or the Rubin brothers or even a, a, a suitable managing director to come in and run the football club on their behalf? So I, I, I'm always reticent to, to provide answers to questions that that shouldn't be asked yet because we know so little i found it quite distasteful today and i don't mean this in a personal capacity to anyone who's been in touch from the media with me and it's all national media i mean here not not local media national media beyond sports as well kind of getting in trust with in, in touch with true faith saying what do you think about the saudi arabian regime's human rights abuses in relation to cassia United? it's just like what like i don't i don't know like why 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 am I why do you think I am qualified to talk about Middle Eastern politics or, or alleged atrocities and, and maybe there are atrocities like I'm a football fan I, I can't even buy a ticket to Everton away that has a kickoff time of Saturday at three p.m. and eleven days before the game it gets switched to a Monday night like that's how <laughs> little power I have as a football fan in this country and you're you're asking me to put pressure on the Saudi Arabian government because they've allegedly bought my football club. Now, I'm not saying that anyone listening and, and uh, that concerns aren't valid or I'm not even dismissing the argument that they are, you know... But Jesus Christ, like, if you, if you want to speak about the Saudi Arabian government and their, and their investment in newspapers in the UK and their property in London and acquisition of... Of public land and like fine, but 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 don't ring the football fans about it. Like I don't know. Like speak speak to speak to I don't know. Like an MP or the Foreign Office or like some of the questions put to us today and and, and quote an Amnesty International. I feel like saying like, will will you 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 slag them off? Like like I don't I don't know. Like they don't even own my football club yet. And even when the football club is sold, we don't know what kind of influence they're going to have. So I find it distasteful for this clamour for, for like, well, you, you say you're happy Mike Ashley's leaving, but the, 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 you know, the, a journalist was killed in the Turkish embassy. That's not your argument, Chris, by the way. That's what I'm saying that's been put to us today. And, and I, you know, we've just kind of all of us at the Trust have just thought, like, well, you know, if, if that happens and that is relevant to the football club and our members bring that up with us, then, yeah, we'll look into it, but... We're not just going to go on Five Live and slag off some people in Saudi Arabia to kind of satisfy this thirst for news that that is here because of the sale of Newcastle United and because the only other news at the minute is is so depressing. I just, I just find it's it's not our job. It's not my job. It's not your job, Chris. It's not your job, Mickey. And I don't think it's the job of anyone listening to dictate foreign policy or even domestic policy in a, an ancient Middle Eastern kingdom 
like 5,000 miles away like well, it's not that far away but however far away it is like what, what do you want what, what do you want us to do and if there are people listening who who who, who are disgusted by the idea of, of being having a football club with the, owned with these people and, and they're thinking that they're not going to go to St. James's Park or they're going to end their association with the team then then that would be you know there are arguments that need to be listened to and, and we hopefully fingers crossed we've got a We've got a podcast lined up tomorrow with Norman and a, and a prominent UK football journalist uh, on this very issue. And, and the journalist is going to argue against these people buying the football club and saying that fans should be should be doing more and should be outraged and should should rid themselves of it. Um, and that's I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to hearing those arguments in more detail. But uh, but you know the, the idea that that we should i mean i'm not even saying it's been proposed but the idea that we should kind of rise up against any kind of saudi arabian uh, ownership of the football club well you know sheffield united's owned by you know part owned by someone from saudi arabia who's got lots of money and where where was the where was the scrutiny then and when saudi arabia were looking to buy manchester united yeah there was some noise about this kind of stuff but the same journalists who are making the argument today that Newcastle United fans need to do more to highlight these things, which I think is nonsense, were saying that, well, actually, Saudi Arabia, just like the UAE, are pretty much integral now to every single uh, sporting sport in the world in terms of sponsorship. We, we don't create the rules of the game uh, as fans. We, we, we are not the ones who pass the Premier League fit and proper test. We aren't the ones who allowed Roman Abramovich to, to buy Chelsea. Um, or the Sheikh Mansur to buy Man City. That wasn't on us, <laughs> so you can't pin this one on us. It's not fair. I, um, I agree. People might it's disagree. Al- it's also like, it's also laughable to think that that we could do anything about it, even if we wanted to. Like, if especially now that we can't even get out of the house. But like, as if as if any collective of Newcastle United fans now who haven't been able to do a single thing about Mike Ashley's ownership of Newcastle United <laughs> could affect the actions. Of like one of the most powerful states in the world, and, and I'm pretty sure the wealthiest individual in the world. Like as if, as if we're going to do anything about that. And secondly, you know, people people that go to the match, other than really fans that absolutely hate their ownership, people that go to the match don't really think or care about who owns the football club because it, it uh, in, in my eyes certainly, and I know you guys will all agree, and, and, and pretty much every Newcastle fan, if you ask them, who really owns Newcastle United? Like, we do, like, it's our club. We go to the match. We support them. We, we're the ones that get behind the team. We're the ones that care about the results. We're the, we're the ones that are going to teach it to our sons and daughters and, and that are desperate for them to, to manage to play for Newcastle United. It's our club. It's a community club. It, it belongs to the community, not to the person that, that owns the shares. And it, it's not... Like you, 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 you are right, Alex. Like it's not on us to to do anything about the transfer of those shares because first of all, we can't affect it, and secondly, it, it doesn't really matter. But we haven't been asked as well. It's not. It's not like we are. It's not like yeah. The whoever, but just just for let's for argument's sake, say this the the, the top top look in Saudi Saudi Arabia. Um, who who was the most influential in government there has personally bought him club this, this club himself a bit like Sheikh Mansour. Um, we haven't been asked. Do you know? I mean, no no one said it's all right. Mike Ashley hasn't been on the fans saying right. I'm, I'm going to sell it to these people, but is it okay? This is a transfer, like you say, Mickey, of extreme wealth from one set of people to one man, 
and whilst we are very much bound bound up in that in terms of it being our football club, like you say, I, I, this is this is the point I'm trying to make, and I don't think I'm, I'm I'm doing a good job of it. What 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 is there? What's the plan? So like I can't I can't do it because I don't want to be a dick when I'm speaking to these people. Um, maybe I should be. I, I just want to say, what do you what do you want me to do? Like, what do you actually want us to do? Do you want me to stop going to the match, or do you want us to get a huge I don't know banner in a stadium? Do you want us to demand answers from the club and say, even if it's Amanda Stavely, for example, that you, d- you deal with, should we say, no, I want to speak to the Saudis? Um, I-, I-, I don't know what angle they're coming from. And then getting football fans to condemn um, bombing campaigns and atrocities, it just feels like such a ridiculous uh, chasm between the topic and the person you're asking the question that it's, it's really annoyed me today. But it'll be interesting to hear people's thoughts, and I've no doubt that on day one it's dominated uh, the national media conversation. Uh, I imagine it's going to continue to to go on, go on and on and on. I suppose, Chris, we should come to you. Like, what, what's your thoughts on me and Mickey stance in, in comparison to your own? Well, as I say, I'm conflicted. You know, I, I want this club that we all love to succeed, and in the modern game, the way the pathway to that is to have substantial investment. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm definitely not advocating, you know, boycotts. And you know, as you say, this po- at this point, this is all hypothetical. You know, this hasn't gone through yet. Uh, we're away, away from even getting to these kind of, um, you know, uh, moral conundrums and actually working out what we're going to do about them, if anything. Um, but yeah, I just think it's it's something that we just need to be aware of. It's you know, it it just does warrant thinking about I think I don't disagree with that the, the, the caveat of that is like football has become and you know it's ran away with itself to the point now that the, the only people that can that can run a, a top level you know top half of the Premier League similar in uh, the leagues around Europe the only people that can afford to run those are that are like mega mega rich super wealthy people or super wealthy groups around the world None of them got that money by being nice to anyone. Like it's all mm-hmm. it's all a relative spectrum, isn't it? And and you know that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment on the on where on that spectrum the supposed new owners or potential supposed potential new owners of Newcastle United fall. But it's you know it it comes back to the point that like we we have no say in this situation anyway, and like. What you said, to Alex, is, is is spot on. Like, what what do they want? What to do? Like, they just want they just want people to kick off so that they can write headlines about it. That's all. That's all any of the journalists are after. Like, and they don't want to, they don't want to say it in their own words because then they're the ones that are that are calling someone out for something. Like, if they can say, if they could say, Alex Hurst, chairman of Newcastle United Sports, Sports Trust, says Mike actually shouldn't sell the Saudis because of human rights atrocities, like. That doesn't put them in a bad light. That puts that puts Alex Hurst in a bad light in the eyes of the Saudi Saudi government. Not that they would care, but you know, that's that's their thinking process, in my opinion, behind behind asking those questions. Like, fuck off, man. No, like, we we want to be able to now sit in the house, have a couple of tins every night in case the announcement comes, and be be happy that Newcastle United are going to turn turn a corner and move forward. Like, let, let we have it. <laughs> Let us have it indeed. 
Uh, I think we'll call it there, lads. It's been an enjoyable discussion. I've enjoyed it anyway. I hope everybody listening has. We, we do, after kind of a, a two or three week absence from podcasts, uh, during the start of all this nastiness, we are back in the swing of it now. We, uh, we've, had, we've had quite a, a few patron sign-ups in, that, in the last 24 hours. So just anyone who signed up, we, we have told all patrons that we, we're not putting any paid content out. We've paused all payments from patrons, so it's suspended indefinitely. Unlike... The club in their season ticket payments and direct debits. Bit of a juxtaposition, that. Um, not that I'm suggesting that we're good people and they're bad, but you know, there's a nice contrast there. It's such so a, it's we've got such a more dick's podcasts. move, isn't it, man? Like, just to, to tag it on the end of this podcast, let's let's mention how shocking it is what taking taking that money from people and there's people out there. For a good friend of mine has has had like two and a half thousand pounds taken out of his bank account for a season ticket for a season that we don't know might never start. You know, to be dramatic about it, it's absolutely terrible. And I, I also think like the people running the club will have known before those payments were pro- that processed that a takeover was pretty likely. Like, why did they need to do it? Like, like it's just, it, it's almost like it's just their last part and shot from Ashley and his brigade of dicks that that actually run Newcastle United to just be like, yeah, let's let's screw them one last time. And take all the money when people are losing their jobs left, right, and centre. I think one thing's for sure over the coming weeks, you know, wherever this takeover goes and, you know, wherever we get to with these stories, I think, Alex, you're completely right that the front pages, the back pages, the whole papers are going to be dominated with the ethics of this takeover. There's going to be a lot of uh, difference of opinion over that. Uh, you know, even on this podcast, you know, we have different nuanced views. But I think one thing that is going to unite pretty much all people is exactly that, the condemnation of a really disgusting policy at a time that's just completely not needed. On that note, we will we will leave you listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in to the True Faith Podcast. If you like what we do, we'd love you to leave us a positive review uh, on iTunes or, or whatever your listening platform is with a, with a nice comment. Um, helps the podcast a lot. And yeah, we'll be back with you very soon, hopefully. Uh, with news that Mike Ashley has definitely left Newcastle United for good forever and not a moment too soon. Thanks for listening. Cheers, lads. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.